For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. I'm proud. I'm proud. I am proud. I'm proud to be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. Be Union Strong. To be Union Strong. I'm a teacher, and I'm Union Strong. I wouldn't have it any other way. The 2023 legislative session has come to an end and there were some big victories for workers. Everything from protections within the workplace to improvements to workers' compensation. On this podcast, we're going to talk to the legislative director of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mike Neidel, who will break it all down for us and explain what these important pieces of legislation will mean to workers. Well, welcome Mike Neidel to the podcast once again, which means it's end of session time. And congratulations. There were a lot of victories at end of session. So I want to get into some of those specifically with you, if you can go over them with us. But I thought it would be helpful to our audience just to go over a little bit how we get to this point, because it's a whole years long process. Right. Can you go over that a little bit? Absolutely. And and to your point on congratulations, thank you. And but the real congratulations goes to our affiliates and our leadership. And uh, as you said, this process and the things we've worked on that we're about to talk about, many of them began years ago. And our agenda as we develop it each fall for the coming year, uh, we always add on if things didn't get done, we add on new issues and uh, we meet regularly with the staffs of all of our unions across the state and come up with an agenda. And in December, our board meets and Mario goes through these issues and they approve our agenda. And going into the legislative session, which lasts from January to July, uh, June, I'm sorry, um, we, we try to stick to that agenda and, and get as much of it as we can passed by both houses. Uh, sometimes outside circumstances, economics or other things can shift priorities for you during that course. But a lot of the issues we're about to talk about came through that whole process. And a lot of kudos and congratulations goes to all of the unions that worked with us on all of these bills. So so there were a lot of worker protections right at the very end of session and in four in particular that I wanted to talk about. Um, And one of them was captive audience meetings. Explain to us what is a captive audience meeting and what does this legislation do? Yeah, this is a really important bill that will affect virtually every union in the state and uh, and hopefully in a positive way if we can get this signed. Uh, right now, employers are allowed to uh, hold meetings with regard to any topic they would like, religious matters, healthcare matters, other things of personal, other issues related to personal choice of their employees. And that could involve politics, that could involve joining organizations like unions, mm-hmm. it could involve joining uh, civic or fraternal organizations. And uh, employers often call meetings, called captive audience meetings, to explain to their workers their position, which is allowed. That's a freedom of speech uh, issue. And what we're trying to say with this bill is uh, we're not trying to take away employers' rights to do that. They can still hold these meetings under this uh, legislation. However, what we're saying is if an employee finds that information uh, on these personal issues to be inaccurate or offensive in some way and decide not to participate, they can't be terminated or otherwise discriminated against. Mm-hmm. We think that's really important, not just for union organizing, uh, but for religious and healthcare decisions and other uh, very personal decisions. 
Nothing in here would prohibit employers from holding these meetings. Nothing prohibits employers from doing what they otherwise need to do to talk about health and safety or other protocols at work or how to do the, the job. It's just that when they get into these personal issues, employees that decide to opt out shouldn't be punished for doing so. Okay, very good. And so also, um, this just happened within the last couple of days, non-competes. So this, if I understand it right, is a complete ban on non-competes. There's no special carve-outs for certain industries, right, which is pretty big. That's correct. This is a really important bill, and it really is about protecting workers' freedom to go out and improve their their lot, their jo- get a f- better job. If you get a better offer, uh, we don't think any worker should be prohibited from pursuing a betterment of their career. Um, right now, in law, we have that protection for entertainment workers. This bill simply would expand that protection to all workers. We've seen it historically in higher-paid positions like pharmaceutical, research, finance, um, but it's ex- it's really proliferated throughout the economy over the years. And now we see it in healthcare with nurses and doctors. We see it in fast food, believe it or not, in all different kinds of other industries, including the entertainment industry still. So um, the courts have historically viewed these very skeptically. They're only in very narrow instances have they ever been allowed. I'm even hard-pressed now to think of situations where the courts uphold these. But at the end of the day, we thought going with a straight ban was the most fair and best way to protect workers' rights. So this is a great bill. Even somebody, a worker trying to challenge it, first of all, do they have the means, you know, and then they might feel intimidated by their employer by challenging it. So, yeah, that makes sense, an outright ban. Um, What about workers' compensation? So there's a benefit that's been raised and indexed? Yeah, the workers' compensation benefit, uh, the minimum benefit is $150 per week. Uh, It's been stuck at that for uh, well over 15 years. It's time to increase it. We actually passed this bill last year, and it was vetoed because of some technical concerns that the governor had, and and she wanted to address uh, some of the things and how we we, uh, do the long-term fix on this. And uh, we think we have an agreement with the governor and the legislature in this newer version. And what it would do is, uh, in steps, go from the current $150 over the next two years to $325. And then in the future, it would keep the benefit at one-fifth of the average weekly wage. Right now, one-fifth of the average weekly wage is just under $350. So this bill is on target to be at that number in about two or three years uh, when it takes effect, and it will stay at one-fifth of the average weekly wage. So that's a really good bill. Yeah, that's significant. Um, Independent hearing officer legislation, what is that about? Yeah, well, this applies to public sector workers, and uh, in the absence of a negotiated agreement in a contract, uh, the civil service law has this disciplinary process. Right now, any employee brought up on disciplinary charges uh, has to face the management, who is basically the judge and prosecutor in the in in any disciplinary proceeding, because management picks the hearing officer. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it's the municipal attorney or a human resources officer that works for management. So in essence, they're bringing the charges and then and then deciding the case. So what we're saying here is when disciplinary charges are brought. Public employees instead should have an independent, truly independent uh, hearing officer 
this bill would require PERB to keep a list, which actually they already do. And in the absence of the employer and union that represents the worker agreeing on a hearing officer themselves, they would choose from this list through a process and we would finally get a fair and independent hearing officer rather than one chosen by management. Right. So that is really about fairness there. One piece of legislation that was signed last year in December just went into effect this week. That's the Warehouse Worker Protection Act. Tell us what that will do. That was a huge priority of ours uh, last year, and we did get it signed into law, as you said. And what happens many times is these laws have effective dates down the road so that the Department of Labor can implement regulations on how to enforce um, the new laws. So that's what happened here. It just took effect, even though it was signed into law last year. And this sets up basic standards and rights that uh, warehouse workers currently are denied. Um, They are often held to standards and quotas, uh, work quotas quotas that are very unreasonable, and this bill will require employers to set up uh, initially upon hire with the worker what the expectations are, and everyone knows going in what the expectations are, as well as provide reasonable um, bathroom and break accommodations for the workers, uh, as well as a pretty strict enforcement mechanism for the Department of Labor to make sure that um, that employees are being treated fairly in these situations. Warehouses are very, they're inherently dangerous places to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, on top of the fact that without adequate rest breaks and all, you know, uh, equipment and other types of protections, um, these workers often, um, you know, in dangerous situations, this almost guarantees injury. Yeah. And a lot of it is because they're doing that repetitive movement too, right? And so this will yeah. protect them to be able to stand up and freely take these breaks that they need to yeah. take. That's correct. Um, so let's take a look back because, uh, you know, there, we did have the whole session. Um, and I know you've put together an end of session report that we always put out to all our affiliates. Can you highlight some of the other victories that we got this year? Uh, absolutely. And, I, you know, one of the most important was done actually a few weeks back. Our budget was late th- <clears throat> this year, as you know. Uh, but, you know, the New York State Building and Construction Trades, we worked very closely with them and, and our utility unions and our private sector unions on some pretty historic labor protection and standards in climate-related um, uh, legislation that got done. And, and uh, both on construction and permanent jobs, we've established really strong labor protections and standards, as well as uh, other protections for any fossil fuel industry or public sector workers that could get displaced as we shift our economy from fossil fuel to renewable energy. So uh, some really big and important changes are coming in terms of labor standards along that that front. Um, also this year, we did, uh, you know, working with the New York State United Teachers Union, uh, we supported their effort to uh, pass two really important uh, bills that will prevent violence at schools, as well as um, uh, as look at the design and structure of schools in terms of health and safety. So we have some really good health and safety improvements for um, both workers and teachers and schools, as well as students. Mm-hmm. Um, We had a very important uh, series of bills uh, led by our public sector unions, CSEA, PEF, that will uh, improve civil service, recruitment and retention, as well as uh, worker rights along with in civil service and their right to organize. So a couple of really important bills uh, on the public sector front that you'll find in our... um, and our breakdown as well. And uh, the list goes on. I could keep going if you want. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's also important to point out there were victories that we uh, had in the budget. What what sticks out in your mind in that case? You know, I talked about the climate change um, 
issues already, but probably the biggest issue in the budget that will impact the vast majority of workers in the state is uh, the increase in indexation of the minimum wage. Right. You know, that will permanently and fix this problem so we don't have to go back year in, after year, uh, wait till the value of the minimum wage erodes and low wage workers have to come in basically, you know, with the tin cup to the legislature and governor every five or 10 years to catch up. This uh, indexing of the benefit will keep us caught up well into the future. So we're very, very proud and happy that that got done. Yeah, that was huge. And so now um, hopefully there's a little bit of a lull, maybe a week or two, um, but then it's gearing back up, you know, for for next year. And that process starts all over again. Um, what Walk us through how that will work. Well, the process here isn't even over yet. We still have to get all these bills signed by the governor. Well, there's that. So <laughs> so we're working on that now. And um, that process has started, like I said, on one of the bills, we we already started talking to the, to the governor's office, and we think we'll get there. We're, we know there'll be some work to do on other issues. Uh, that's kind of how the process has evolved into uh, these chapter amendments that kind of mm-hmm. alter the bills at the last minute if the governor has some changes they want to see. Uh, we've tried to avoid that. We try to get some bills in that are good and strong, but are supported with wide support. You know, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, a big thank you should go out to the Democratic majorities in both the Senate and Assembly. You know, the leadership in both houses with Speaker Hasty and Senator Stuart Cousins and on the Senate side, as well as the labor chairs who shepherd these bills, even if they're not the sponsor. And they are the sponsor of several of these, but they get these bills through committee and to the floor. So, um, uh, you know, in, in working with the unions, a real b- big thank you needs to go out to the houses to do that. And now hopefully working with them and the governor will get them signed into law over the next few months. And then, as you said, as that process happens over the next several months and into the fall, uh, we will start again for next year. Anything that remained unfinished or any new issues that are popping up. Um, we'll start to talk to our affiliates in the fall and bring those issues to our board in December. And we'll be back in January next year and start the process start all, all over, over again. again. <laughs> Sounds good. And of course, we'll keep people updated as these bills and hopefully all of them get signed. We'll let people know. And then we'll have the end of session report available to everyone as well. So thank you very much. And thanks for going through it all with us. I appreciate it. It's good to have you back on. Thanks. Thank you. Joining me on the podcast is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. Hi, Darcy. So um, Mike just broke it all down for us, and we have this report coming together, which might be up now, but at at any rate, where can people find this end-of-session report? Yeah, so on our website, there's a legislation section, and the end-of-session report is right at the top of that page, uh, so folks can find it there, and we keep that up to date. And then, as I mentioned, as these bills get signed, we will be updating people uh, on our social media as well. What else is going on right now that you're involved in with um, letting members know what we're up to? Yeah, so we actually have a really big campaign that just started. Um, it's the Hot Union Summer Campaign. And the idea is that, you know, we're stronger as a movement when we're all on the same page. So we want to know what workers, uh, prior, what their priorities are. So we've got a survey going out right now. Um, it's on social media. It's up on our website right in the hero spot. So anyone can go, any union member can go ahead and take that. And then some people will be emailed the survey as well. Yeah, we sent it out to our list. So if you're signed up for emails, then you will have gotten the survey right in your inbox. And we just want to know um, what your priorities are, what you think the union movement's priorities uh, are, and uh, what you think your state and federal elected officials should prioritize as well. Uh, Great. Okay. And then we just want to remind people, too, we still have the Yankees game coming up on July 22nd. We've got the Mets, which is over Labor Day weekend. And there's uh, tickets available on our website. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you go to the event 
events calendar. Um, it's in the top bar on our website, events. Um, you can go and find those dates there and the links to purchase right on the calendar. All right, great. Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.